Amen. We have a great privilege today to come and worship our great God. There's none like Him. And as we sing, it's your breath in our lungs. We're acknowledging that we only have life because God has given us life. Uh, When we think about the blessings we have, we know that we have them because God has chosen to allow us to enjoy them. Uh, We know that uh, we have eternal life only because the blood of Jesus Christ that is shed. And so we thank God for that today, and we come praising Him today. And I hope you've enjoyed this time of worship. I, I love to praise and worship God. He's done so many wonderful things for us. And if He had given us nothing but the cross of Jesus, that's worthy of us coming and giving Him all of our praise. And so today we celebrate that. And if you're here and you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord was just kind of pushing at my spirit this morning And I I love grace and I love mercy. I love the fact that every morning I wake up, his mercy is new and his grace is fresh. And I love to know that though my sin runs deep, his grace is more. But as I was singing this morning, I was reminded there will come a time where grace and mercy are no longer available to a person. Grace and mercy is available as long as you have breath in your lungs. When we die in this life, our fate for eternity is sealed. And I pray that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you know for certain that when you die, you'll go to heaven. I pray that you know for certain that you'll live forever with God and that you don't allow anyone or anything to tell you that that's not the most important decision or most important topic in your life. This life is a snap compared to eternity and the next life goes on and on and on and on and you'll either live forever with God in heaven or you'll live forever separated from God in eternal punishment that the Bible calls hell. So I would beg you, if you don't know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to give your life to Him and to give your life to Him today. That is my prayer for every person here that they are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of us here, probably 90 I don't know, 85 to 90% of us in here would profess that we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as believers, we want our life to reflect Jesus. We, we want to live in a way that other people look at us and they look past our personality and they look past our physical makeup and they look past our gifting and our accomplishments and they see Him. That's why God made you. He made you, the Bible says, so that you would be conformed to the image of his son for whom he uh, foreknew he predestined so that you would be conformed to the image of his son so that God would have lots of children that he's very proud of. And so that's what I want in my life because my life doesn't always reflect the son. I wish it did, but there are times that it does not. I get frustrated really quick. And I don't reflect sometimes the patience of Christ. Sometimes I get enamored by things that are fading away and I lose perspective on what real treasure is. And Christ seemed to have a perfect grasp on that. Sometimes I I, I want the glory for what happens. And Christ just wanted to point glory to the Father. I want my life to change and to become more like him because that's, that's what I am made for. Uh, if you've experienced some changing since you've been saved, I, if you've 
progressed some in your Christian life, and I hope you have. I hope someone would accuse you of looking more like Jesus today than the day you first gave your heart to Jesus. If you had any progress in your life, I would almost guarantee you that one of five things has moved you along. As you read Scripture, there are some things that God uses consistently in people's lives to help them to become like Jesus. And so in the series that we started 2019 with, we're talking about those things that, that, that facilitate life change. Last week, if you were here, we talked about spiritual disciplines. And at the end of the service, I challenged you to start allowing those disciplines to change and form uh, uh, your, your, your character to be more like Christ. We talked about spending the first 15 minutes of each day with Jesus. I hope some of you ha- have, have taken that challenge this week where, where you have decided, I'm going to spend the first part of my day with the Lord. We talked about giving the first percentage of your income to the Lord and trusting Him with your resources. I I hope that that you have grown to a place in your life where you recognize that God doesn't want your money because He needs your money. He wants your money so that you can, in a tangible way, say, say, God, here, I love you. We talked about giving up something for the Lord this week and maybe having a fast, whether it was food or a habit or a recreational activity but giving up something so that you could say, God, you're much more important in my life than this. Today, we're going to move from spiritual disciplines into another one of those things that God uses to change us and to conform us into the image of Jesus. And today, we're going to talk about about key relationships. You see, I'm convinced that personal relationships are probably the most common factor to people becoming like Jesus. When people describe their faith journeys, you always hear things like, and then I met this guy or this girl. Or, or you know, this person, I, I met them and they started asking me about my relationship with God. Or, or I had this professor in college that was just different. Or my grandmother, you know, she used to always talk to me about God. Or my mom remarried when I was about eight and my new father started taking us to church. Or or this group of girls invited me to a Bible study. Or I joined a team and there was somebody on that team who was just really in love with Jesus. Or or, or, well, it turned out I went to college and my roommate was a Christian. Or uh, when, when, when my kids got back from youth camp, man, their lives were so transformed that it was just something that happened. Or then my neighbors invited us to start this Bible study in our home. You always hear things like that. When people tell their stories about how God has gripped their life, you always hear people talking about people. People God has used to to help form them. And they talk about it like it wasn't a coincidence. Like, God put this person in my life. Now, there's some people, and probably some of you, and I get this, I've got an uphill climb here, that believe a lot of what happens in your life is pure luck. Well, I met this person by random chance, or I met this person by accident. You know, I I got this job, and I was just lucky. By chance, I met this friend. I want you to understand that I believe that God-influencing relationships are providential. That God had his hand in the seemingly unplanned or accidental. 
It may seem random, it may seem chance, it may seem like luck, but God has his hand in it. Those of y'all who have been here for a while, you know I like to play golf. I am not as good as I think I am, but I do like to play. And I'm a very competitive person, and so I like to play with people who are pretty good. Um, Just reality, so that's why I hadn't called a lot of y'all. But anyhow... um, (laughs) One day I was playing by myself. There might be other reasons why I was playing by myself. (laughs) One day I was playing by myself in Hopkinsville in 2002, and another person was playing behind me, and I I, I was slowed down by the people in front of me, and I was kind of watching this person play to find out if I wanted to ask them if they wanted to team up on the back side. Well, from about 180 yards out on a par 5, I saw this man hit, which went high enough to be like an 8-iron, to about 3 or 4 feet from the hole to putt for eagle. And I thought, I'm going to ask him to play with me. On that day, through that shot at Western Hills Golf Course, I met a man named Mark Strickland, probably my best friend in life right now. It was just through a random chance that he hit that shot. And I've played with Mark now. While I was pastoring at Edgewood, we played probably once a week for 14, 15 years. He was my accountability partner. He prayed for me in the faith. I love him like my own family, dear to me. But I promise you, I played with him 15 years, and he's never hit a shot like that again. (laughs) So it couldn't have been just pure luck that I... God orchestrated that. He had to. Psalm 139 tells us that God orchestrates all things in our life. The Bible says, I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, God. I know this. I look around. I see your creation. I praise you for that, and I know I'm a part of that, God, and I thank you. He says in verse 15, my bones were not hidden for you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, you knew me even then, God. Verse 16, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All of my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. I believe a part of the ordaining of God is putting significant people in your life who help you to become like Christ because God uses people to build your character. God uses people to build your faith. When you hear the story of how God has changed people, you always hear about relationships. I never hear, man, on my own, I just figured this thing out. I learned everything I needed to know about God God all by myself. You know, it's always I met someone. Someone invested in me. This is the case in my life. You know, my family didn't go to church. I started going to church with an older couple at Cash Creek Baptist Church. While I was going, they got a new pastor. This new pastor spoke in a way that I understood. I heard the gospel as he was preaching it, and and I responded to faith, but, but then he saw, I guess, something in me, and he started investing in me. And I praise the Lord for Scott Ford. That he just loved like Jesus, and he loved me. I met a man at camp one year. His name was John Callie. He was a different type of Christian. 
It didn't seem about just coming to church uh, to him. It seemed like about walking with Jesus and about really loving Jesus. And, and there was just something about him that, that piqued my interest. And I started calling him. I was about an 18-year-old, and he preached camp. And I started calling him and just asking if I could learn from him. He was a seminary student at the time, and he invited me to come up and to eat uh, meals with him. And about once a month, I would go and I would spend time with John. And over this summer, I learned a lot about what it means to walk in a love relationship with Jesus. When I got out of college, I met a friend named Jeff Thompson who, who challenged my thinking. I mean, he did because he didn't, he didn't see classes of people. He just saw people. And he saw a lot of injustice in the world in ways that my little sheltered mind just had never seen. And he challenged me to look beyond my own social experience and to think about people who were different than me. I'm so grateful for Jeff's influence on my life. I met Brad Womble. Brad was a missionary in Niger. They were from Hopkinsville. And God... Uh, had them on furlough. And while they were there, our church invited them to come and share uh, with us uh, their work there with the Songhai people uh, near the capital city of Niamey. I'd never really experienced an international missionary, and I'd really never thought much about international missions. Oh, we gave a little bit to Lottie Moon, and we gave uh, our, our cooperative program dollars, but I'd never put a face with it. I'd never been on an international mission trip, and God used that day, that encounter, to pull me into uh, an international missions uh, encounter, which changed my perspective and my life. All of these relationships, I believe that God had had his hand on, and I believe those relationships have pushed me in different avenues to become more like Jesus and to have more of the mind of Christ. Our text today is simple. You know, I usually like to walk through a passage, but today we're going to kind of springboard off of a passage. Our text is one that you probably learned in Bible school. You remember this? The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Since this is a Bible school verse, we need to do this the Bible school way. I want to make sure you get this because this will change your life if you get this and you believe this. So let's say this together. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. That is truth. It's not an imperative But it is an observation, and it's an observation with a promise. If you walk with, spend time with, listen to, you'll ultimately learn from people who are around you. And if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. Sometimes learning from people is is time spent in a single conversation. Sometimes learning from people is time spent in a series of conversations. Sometimes you learn from people just with time spent with no conversations. You just watch the way they lived, the way they treated their kids, the way they loved their wife, the way they were in love with God, the way they were so generous. Wherever you're at in your Christian walk, whether you're new to faith in Christ or you are just stuck in your growth, 
When you meet people like this, those folks push you forward. And they help you grow. Now, what I've found in my life is God typically uses multiple people to build your faith. He uses parents and teachers and youth leaders and pastors and, and co-workers. Uh, God builds our faith through a multitude of people. One of the most famous instances is found in the New Testament. And it's that of Timothy. If you remember, Timothy uh, had uh, his, his, his faith first invested to him by his, by his family, his grandmother and his mother. Then Paul began to speak into his life, and, and pastors laid their hands on him, and his faith grew. That's all of us. If you were to tell your story, you would tell of people who've influenced your life. Now let's shift gears for a minute. Has there ever been someone in your life who didn't, build your faith, but they got close to you and you felt like they hindered your growth. That they undermined your faith in God. Have you, have you ever had a relationship that caused you to believe less? Have you ever had a person in your life who took you further from God, what God wanted you to be? Our greatest regrets can often be traced back to relationships. I wish I'd never went out on that date. I should have never returned that phone call. I knew I shouldn't have gone into business with them. You know, when I went to college, I made some new friends and I abandoned my faith. When I moved, I made new friends and I adopted a new lifestyle. The truth is, life can be negatively influenced by others. Isn't that what that verse teaches? Walk with the wise, you become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. This is why parents are, are so protective of who you run with. This is why they care so much. And I mean, I know, I get it. Mom, leave me alone. I'm a grown-up. I'm 14. You know, I get it. You know, I mean, I understand. But the reason they care is because they know this verse is true. And they don't know it's true simply by reading it in Scripture. This is one of those things that you read in Scripture and everybody, when they're of age, says that's exactly right. That is the truth. You, you, you live with godly people, you walk with, uh, with people who love Jesus, it, it helps you. You walk with fools, it's contagious, and you suffer harm. Now, here's the rub. Some unhealthy relationships are unavoidable. I mean, you'll be forced to work with some people. You'll go to school with some people who don't share your value system, who have the potential to damage your faith. And what do you do then? Uh, guys, there's a point where we have to grin and bear it in those situations. You know, you're around people who are on your ball team or you're in an office you're forced to interact with. You're, you're with people who, who serve as constant temptations morally and ethically. And they represent things that you know you should stay away from. And you know they'll get you in trouble, but they are, 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 are temptation nonetheless. And this is where it gets tricky. And as I was thinking about this message this morning, it's this part of the message that kept me awake at night. God, I know if I walk with fools, I suffer harm. But if I don't know lost people, I can't share with lost people. So how do you find that balance? How do, how do you find that 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 that, that 
right level of interaction with people who desperately need to know what we have. I mean, you know, we're around broken people all the time, and we're broken people. And we, we so desperately need to share the good news that has helped us and helped us to find peace and contentment. How do you do that? Well, I thought about it and thought about it, and a couple nights ago, I woke up with a, a saying that an old friend used to say to me. You can pet the dog. You just don't lie down with him. You pet the dog, you make a friend, you lie down with him, you get fleas. Be careful how close you let people in your life who disregard God's word, who do not care if they honor Jesus with their lives, who do not care if you honor Jesus with your life. I was looking at some pictures a few weeks ago of my girls when they were little. And I was thinking about how I used to just reach down and pick them up. They'd fall asleep in the car and I could just bend over and pick them up. They were maybe fall asleep in front of the TV at night with the family there. And I would just bend over and pick them up. Have you ever tried to bend over and pick somebody up from a standing position if they're laying down? It's not easy. And there came a point where it was almost impossible where, where when you bend down and, and try to pick them up, you just can't pull it off because it, it, ends, up, it, it ends up pulling you down. Uh, in relationship, it's the same way. The gravitational pull of relationships is generally downward. I'm rarely tempted to be good. I'm rarely tempted to be honest. I'm rarely tempted to be kind. I don't find myself resisting having uh, to uh, uh, doing good things. You know, I just can't help myself. I have to help that little old lady across the street. I'm rarely tempted like that. Maybe Paul recognized negative impact people can have when he said, bad company corrupts good morals. And we think this applies primarily to students. You know, I mean, honestly, I mean, this is where every parent's like, Get him, preacher. But this applies to adults as well. Bad company has corrupted a bunch of good marriages. Bad company has pulled many alcoholics back into destructive cycles. Bad company is what got you invited into an environment that created a bad habit. Bad company planted a thought in your mind that grew into a behavior. This is why the Bible offers the following relationship counsel. Believers, marry believers. Don't missionary date. But he's so cute and he smells good. I'll take him to church with me, I promise. He'll go, I promise. Because he thinks you're cute and you smell good. He's trying to win you over, but once you get married, there's a good chance that that's gone out the window. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 says, Don't be mismatched with unbelievers. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or, or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? 
every now and then, and there are stories in our church, hallelujah, what a Savior, whose mercy is new every morning, who can bring beauty from ashes. Every now and then, it works where God redeems a a, a man or a woman through a marriage union. Every now and then it happens, but I want you to hear me closely. That is the exception and not the rule. The rule is the gravitational pull is downward, not up. Second relationship advice I would give you is choose your counselors and teachers very carefully. Proverbs 12, verse 5 says this, The thoughts of the righteous are just, but guidance from the wicked leads to deceit. It's probably not a good idea to get advice about your marriage from the lady in the office who's on her third divorce. It's not the wisest thing to do to get financial advice from people who are are neck deep in debt. It's not good to learn about good basketball from Louisville fans. Choose your counselors wisely. Seriously, what I want you to see is this. What you believe Jesus wants your life to become will be heavily influenced by the relationships you form, good and bad. The people you feel like God put into your life have the power to change you, but so do the people you wish had never been let in. Really, there are no neutral relationships. They're either good or bad. And if we're going to have both good and bad relationships, We need to learn to utilize our healthy relationships for our spiritual growth. If God has placed people who look like Jesus, who push you toward the light instead of causing you to walk in darkness, if you have people who help you become the person God made you to be, you need to spend as much time with them as you possibly can. You need to walk with them. Psalm 1-1 starts out, How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, the person who walks with the wise is the one who becomes wise. And I get it. They might not be as attractive by worldly standards. They might not be as entertaining as the crowd but your faith will grow and your life will change. But here's the tricky thing. I've got bad news for you this morning. I thought about this. Remember me telling you at the beginning of this series, there's some things that you can absolutely control. You can decide if you're going to get up and spend time with the Lord. You can decide if you're going to give of your resources. You can decide if you're going to uh, uh, fast or, or, or give up things for the Lord. But here's the tricky things about relationships. You, you can't create God meetings. You know, I watched my friend hit golf balls year after year and kept waiting for another one of those shots. You can't create God meetings. You can't walk out of here today and say, I'm going to go find my Paul. If you walk up to someone and ask, would you be my role model, you may end up freaking them out. And even as your pastor, I can't appoint a Paul to you. I can push you into relationships with people, but what I've found, I've often tried to set two or three people up for a prayer group or a discipleship group, and over time what I've found is sometimes it works, sometimes they just don't mesh. 
It kind of just has to happen. But I've got good news. You can't manufacture it on your own, but you can put yourself in position to experience them. You can go to places where people who are living for Jesus are at. Obviously, one of those places is church. And as a church, we understand that we need to try to create potential relationships where iron can sharpen iron and women can speak into women's lives and, 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 and believers can learn from one another. That's why we have life group every week, and I strongly encourage you to get in life group. I, I say this over and over. I strongly encourage you to get there because you will end up meeting someone who is walking with Jesus, and God will help your past cross. I encourage you to go to a Thrive group. You know, I want you to learn the materials in Thrive. I think we're offering great courses this time, but almost as important, if not more important, than the materials you're going to learn are the people you're going to meet. People who Jesus is teaching things to, who he is developing, who are going to challenge you and help build you. This is why I, I encourage people to go on mission trips because when you're in a, a, a strange place with, with people who are strangers to you and you're trying to accomplish one mission, it's amazing how God meshes hearts together. We see this in our service teams, and our ministry groups. We want to create potential for God to put you with someone who will help build your faith. For our students, we, we, we have our, our youth group meetings on Wednesdays, our morning Bible studies, our Thrive classes. My guess is you have enough contact with people who have a negative effect on you. I wonder, do you have good people in your life who are encouraging you to walk in faith? You know, and sometimes God has used people I never thought that would help to encourage my faith. When I was growing up, there was a man in our youth group that I avoided. A man, a guy one year older than me in our youth group, I avoided because he was weird. He was. He liked Dungeons and Dragons, and he wore like this raincoat that came to his ankles when it was 98 degrees. We would probably tackle him in the parking lot if he were coming in on Sunday morning because we're like, what's under your, you know, I mean, we want to know. You know, he was a weird guy. But I want to tell you, after I surrendered my life to preach, I started watching him, and he had his Bible with him everywhere he went. And he was one who, when he would speak up and say things about Jesus, it was like he had actually walked with Jesus. And before long, Vernon became my friend. And Vernon helped me grow in the faith. me trying to get you connected to people. It's not about a church program. I keep up with the numbers. If you don't know me, I openly confess. My name is Nick Sandifer, and I have a problem with numbers. I count everything. It's not just church. It's cars going by. It's, I count everything all the time. I'm uh, pretty bad with that. This morning, I drive them crazy in the Sunday school office. I just like to count. I like trends. I like charts. I, like, I do. But listen, I'm not trying to get you to go to youth group or get you to come to life group so that I can say, look, we had more. 
I want you to go because I, I know what has to happen in your life to grow, and one of those are key relationships. It's got to happen for you to grow. And I know in a room like this, the primary relationship that is happening is mine and yours. But it's going to be that deep because there's a thousand of y'all and one of me. We want to push you into smaller groups and in community where you can be developed, where you can be known, and where you not only can have people pour into your life, but you can also be a positive influence on others. As I start to wrap up this morning, I know that there are three groups of people here. Group number one are people who are walking with God. And I want to ask you, if that's you, you're walking with God, you've been walking with God for a long, 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 long time, are you willing to be the type of person that will give of your time for someone else who needs someone to speak in their life? Maybe it's your turn to be a Paul to someone. Well, I don't have time. My guess is your story started with somebody who didn't have time, but they took it. Remember, Paul felt compelled to take Timothy along. Who's God laid on your heart? Who have you seen potential in? Seek out someone to invest in. Group number two. You're starting to follow God, but you're needing to take a step forward in your faith. What can you do? Well, I would encourage you to Pray for God to send you a faith influence into your life. Your friends will determine the direction and the quality of your life. And this was true when you were 14, and it's true when you're 40. And pay attention to those who are obviously following Christ. Watch how they treat people. Watch how they respond when they've done wrong. And put yourself in, in, in a place where, where you'll be exposed to, to, to those who are, who are following Christ. Intentionally seek out those who love Jesus. Watch how they treat people. Watch how they respond. Go to Sunday school. Go on a mission trip. Get in the FCA or get into crew or, or BCM. Get into a women's group. But get involved with people who are following Jesus. And then group number three, I've talked all morning about building faith, and I started the service by talking to folks. I don't know, I said 10, 15%. It might be 20, 25%. might be 30, 35% of people here who've really never surrendered their life to Christ. Who, who you don't know if you have faith or not. You look at others and you wish you could have what they have. They're born again. The Spirit cannot live in a person who's not born again. They've repented of their sin and they've trusted Christ. Jesus died for you so that you could be forgiven of sin and could start living a life of trusting Him. So I encourage you today to, to surrender your life to the one who's changed others. He can, He wants to, and He will change your life if you have a relationship with Him. Let's pray. Father God, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would use these words to build your people into better disciples of Jesus.
I pray, Father God, if there's someone here this morning who does not believe, I pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would draw them to salvation. God, if there's someone here who feels trapped in the circumstances they're in and the people that are around them, I pray, Father God, that you would send wise counsel to them. Teach them your truth. Lord God, help us to be available to others so that we can help others to become what you've created them to be. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.